The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! My main guitar that I played uh, live for like 10 years in the White Stripes. It's a hollow piece of plastic and you got this at Montgomery Ward's department store. Sears sold Silvertones and Montgomery Ward sold Airlines. Welcome back, folks. Hey, hey, folks. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Hey. When you're here, your family, and we have. <laughs> I would. Uh, we're really di- we're just abandoning the the sketches that I think I think too many people wanted them. That's right. They and, were too loved, and so we said, "Hey, hold on. We got to hold back in order to let you guys want more." By the way, I- I'm your co-host James Kaminsky. I'm your co-host Paul Kaminsky. You know, James, that old saying: "You always kill the things you love." Yeah, that's why. And that's what we're doing here. I killed my beloved uh, hamster. <laughs> James had a hamster. He killed it. He I loved it so much. He loved the hamster too. Killed it though, like Lenny style. I just, I, I just petted it, just too hard. Welcome back to the Third Men Podcast. This is a Jack White History Program, and we talk about lots of things here. We talk about uh, the worlds of Jack White and Third Man Records, and you know this season has been going oh, swimmingly. It's been going so well. Yeah. It's been rusty. These It's been a little rusty, but we've been working hard to get some fantastic programming in for you guys, and we have got so many amazing, delightful interviews so far. You've had Dex Romweber, you've had Comalina, you've had this one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, those two were fantastic. I think, you know... We're pretty sure this one will be third in the lineup for the season. Sure. I'm willing to bet it, but I don't know because we don't know 100%. So this might not be third. If What I'm getting at here is you may have actually heard way more interviews that we did not think were going to air before this one. But you, we know you've at least heard Dex and Co. And those have been fun. But we've got a lot. Up until this, the past like 48 hours, we got two more and we're just so excited because they're the kinds of people that can give us some really cool and interesting insight into the world of Third Man in ways that we just don't know, you know, as, as outsiders looking in. And the guests that we have on the show today are two of those people. 
we have joining us for a very long discussion so we're really not going to we're going to keep this opening short here but for an amazing and long discussion we have alex garaldi and jordan collins from copper sound pedals and they are going to be here to walk with us through the entire history of jack white's gear setup the history of third man hardware and a very special announcement from copper sound pedals in conjunction with Third Man Hardware. So you get a three for here. You get a bit of the history. You get a bit of the the history of not only the gear setup, but you get a bit of the history of Third Man Hardware. And we are part of this press tour for this exciting new project that Third Man Hardware is doing in conjunction with Copper Sound Pedal. So we're just, we're, wow, this is going to be a good one. I honestly am so psyched about this interview and super happy that they uh, they approached us to do this interview. And it was great. It was very interesting to get an insight into the product end of Third Man because we, yeah. we've we had a lot of people come in from the artist end and the product lines that Third Man puts out, they put out with just as much care and respect for the end product as an album. And so I was super interested in hearing this end of the business, this, this side of the business. So Yeah, part- particularly since we don't really have a great working knowledge of just gear setups and stuff like that. So not only do you get that, but you get that history and you get a bit of background here. And it's just really nice having Alex and Jordan, two very knowledgeable folks helping us out on this journey. So without further ado, we're actually going to get into it. This is like, I think our longest extended talk with any guest ever on the show. I think they talked to us for over two hours and we have, so we got it. We have it all here. We're not going to do any other segments. So everybody enjoy. We'll talk to you a bit at the end of the episode, but hope you dig this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Let's get to it. Well, we're back. Season five of the Third Men podcast, and we have got a special one today. We would like to welcome of Copper Sound Pedals, Alex Garaldi and Jordan Collins. Alex and Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having us. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you here, and we're super uh, excited to talk about what you guys are, are bringing in. So, uh, yeah, thank you for me as well. Uh, I realize that I'm also co-hosting, and that I should say something like that. <laughs> Good job, James. Thanks. So, slam. Hey, slam Look, dunk. I'm real rusty right now. <laughs> Season five is off to a banger. Oh, yeah. Good start. Good start. <laughs> so, we brought you on the show today to talk about a number of things. The first being an overview of the third man hardware initiative i guess you'd call it Uh, over the past decade jack white and his fellow mad scientists at third man have been cooking up some interesting gear as it relates to pedals and even amplifiers and instruments and accessories all this different stuff and they've been putting that out under the umbrella of third man hardware and you know to be honest james and i haven't really dwelled on that much on the show partially because as fans of music and, you know, general music novices, we're not terribly versed in the gear that goes along with it. Now, I happen to be a gear guy these days mm-hmm. because I've got my fancy gear set up, <laughs> but all of that is very fresh and very new, and we're uh, largely a couple of ignoramuses about other <laughs> things. So we've brought you, Alex and Jordan, on to walk us through that history, and then Sort of more importantly, <laughs> you guys and your Copper Sound pedals 
have been developing something new and interesting with Third Man Hardware, and we're going to get into that announcement and overview and background there, which we're, we're really excited to talk about. But I guess we'll start here with um, a bit of background on you both. Now, Alex, you and I had talked a little bit before uh, the shows for a little while now, and so I know you're a big Jack fan. You, you want to give us a little bit of background about how you got into music and eventually the development of uh, gear? Yeah, so they kind of coincide getting like introduction to Jack and gear. For me, um, my uncle lived in the same town as me and kind of got me into guitar and kind of being a gearhead, if you will, at least in an early age. And I kind of got into the guitar through him and I would be going over his house about once a week or so and we'd be playing along to some tracks. He would throw up like a musician on the television or a DVD he had. This was 2008, I think. So I've been doing a little over a decade or so. So 2008. And at one point, I know it was 2008 because he had put on You Don't Understand Me. Ah, yes. Nice from consolers and we, he was teaching me guitar and stuff and he was like hey i'm gonna throw on a i'm gonna throw on an album or a song or whatever let's just like find the key and kind of play along with it like a backing track and he put on you don't understand me and that was kind of my big moment into jack if you will because i had known the white stripes and obviously they had every record out at that point in 08 and didn't really know too much about the racks at that point second record of theirs and then i got into it and just kind of like kind of hit me right then and there with that that song um so that was kind of like my introduction into the gear world also at the same time as jack so that's kind of nice coinciding Hmm. wow you don't understand me is such an interesting entry point into (laughs) third man that's i think obviously i had known other tunes you know i think he had that one about the salvation army or something like that i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) some drunk guy was shouting it to me at a baseball game yeah (laughs) so yeah obviously jack had been around i had known white stripes i had known some of that stuff but it wasn't until that song that kind of really hit me when i was kind of you know both of those roads were meeting at one point of learning guitar really getting into it and then him showing me that song kind of all at once happened you might say that the feeling was right and you comprehended him. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> no, that was good. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Insert cricket noise. Um, so did you, uh, have you been able to catch him live much over the years? Uh, uh, yeah, that actually goes into like my next part, though, in the timeline we have here. If you, do we jump to Jordan or do we go right? Do we just blow right by that? No, let's jump to Jordan. James, yeah, why don't you jump to Jordan? I mean, James, Jordan, I'm going to ask you the same questions. How'd you get into music? <laughs> All right. So growing up at a young age, my mom was always singing around the house um, in the car when we would go places, just kind of on a, a daily basis. So I kind of naturally, when I was younger, was always just like singing along to songs with her. And I think that's really when I got into music in general, you know, listening to stuff on the radio, but specifically Around seventh or eighth grade, I really developed a love for songwriting. I was so curious about it, and you know, I really wanted to get into that field. So right around then, that's kind of when I 
started to dabble around with guitar. My friend had one at his house. It was an old Jay Terser. Well, at that time it was new, um, but it was a Jay Terser, you know, like hundred bucks, you know, red guitar looked like regular, like a Strat came with an amp, like kind of all in this one box and he never played it. So hmm. when I would go to his house, I would always be messing around with it, you know, using like pennies as picks and stuff like that. And <laughs> eventually begged my mom to get me one. And I ended up learning Seven Nation Army as my first that's the one. song. Yes, that's, that's the, the one. one. <laughs> you and, were the uh, drunk guy screaming. I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was my first kind of taste of guitar playing. I put like notes on the fingerboard, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way to 12. I'm gonna fight them all. A Seven Nation Army couldn't hold me back. They're gonna rip it off. Taking their time right behind my back And I'm talking to myself at night Because I can't forget That was the first song that really got me in. And um, ever since, I've kind of been hooked. So, you know, I could... Obviously, it's a great tune and everybody knows it. But at that age, it was... That was the one that really got me hooked into music and kind of the catalyst started me kind of along this path. How did you uh, translate or transition, I should say, into really getting into developing gear and working with uh, with different hardware? So that's kind of an interesting follow up. It, um, I've also had a graphic design background, so I would really do graphic design first. That was really my first love. And, you know, after that, it was music. So if I wasn't doing like digital design or anything, I was playing music. But then the two kind of coincided once Alex and I met. And we can kind of get into that in um, the inception of Copper Sound and stuff like that. But that was definitely kind of how I segued into the gear world, where I Mm -hmm. started to see how I could implement some of the design and graphic skills that I had into product development. And that's kind of how those two came to be. But definitely, I would say guitar and graphic design were kind of like the two things that kind of were competing at all times, which one was going to take the lead first. Yeah. Well, that's uh, consistent with... uh Jack White and his whole deal. I mean, that guy's uh, that guy's low key just a graphic designer, <laughs> applying basically just marketing and stark design to things to make them, you know, to apply these hooks. Sure. To his not just his albums, but to his bands, to himself, and it's also something you know we talk about partners with Jack, and we you know we'll get into Copper Sound in a moment, but. You know, when we talked to Ben Jenkins from Warstick, that was another thing that he had in common with Jack. Similar thing, graphic designer, but his second was always baseball. And so he found a way to marry the two, and there you go. That's mm-hmm. the success. So that's awesome. So, Alex, you uh, we talked a little bit about how you got into the world of Jack at the top of this thing. Now, do you have any fun or notable stories other than your collaboration with Third Man that you want to get into about Jack White and the Third Man world? Yeah, um, when I was thinking about this, Obviously, the first thing that came to mind was 2014, right? So that'd be Lazaretto. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to see Jack on, I think he was calling it, he was doing, at least when he came to Boston, he was doing Fenway Park, but he didn't do the whole thing. He would go to right field warning track, set up like a theater there, and only open it up to a couple thousand seats. Huh. So essentially making it like a, to keep it a little bit more intimate instead of it feeling like, oh, he's at home plate and I'm like 500 feet away from him type thing. Yeah. Like 
instead of like being in the bleacher. So you'd essentially just have right field and he'd set up like everything um, for that tour right then and there. I uh, remember that um, we got there. The age demographic was huge, like small children to like 50, 60 year old people. It was like, wow, it could have been a ball game. You know, Mm -hmm. the demographic he has. So me and my friend sit down at Fenway and we had like an obstructed view, like behind a camera crew. And they just instantly upgraded us to go closer to the field, which was kind of cool. Nice. I was like, oh, hey, this is cool. And I remember for that show, obviously he had everything. Like he had three large stacks of speakers, like in his three logo that he's got going on. Everything is white, (laughs) blue. Yeah. The band was introduced and um, I think it was by their tour manager. What's their tour manager's name? Lalo. Yeah. yeah. So they introduced the band. And at Fenway, at where the Green Monster is, you can come out of, like, the wall from there. Like, people can actually, like, the crew that's there, you can come out onto the field from there. They introduced yeah. all the people. I forget what each person was called. It was, like, designated hitter or whatever it was. Uh, some type of baseball <laughs> thing. Like, Daru came out as, like, catcher or whatever. Jack yeah. came out as bat boy. <laughs> every band member would get there and they were doing a long like driving intro to just one drink and jack would oh, run wow, across yeah. the field in like a jersey that was like blue and white or something that was on brand for that tour and then went right into that song and uh oh, that's awesome. so that was like that was a fun uh that was a fun show jack jack white white I, uh, oof, yeah, I don't think I've ever actually been to Fenway Park now that I think about it. Yeah, it was it was cool that it wasn't like a huge, like you can't see anything. It was kind of, it felt intimate, even though it was like in a large, you know, historic ball field, which I'm guessing is probably his doing because he does definitely goes to parks and franchises when he does tours and stuff, you know. Right, yeah. And he's good at making a big show feel intimate anyway. So totally. adding that extra level was, was probably great. So how about you, Jordan? Do you have any... Uh, any interesting run-ins? Any interesting tour memories? Or No interesting run-ins. I think one of the things that I do really appreciate is something recent for the 10-year anniversary at Third Man. Um, I really loved how he had his mom on stage introduce the oh, band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you always see either videos or pictures of him having her dance and sing with him on stage. So I think that's something really special. Um, you uh-huh. know, obviously no matter how big the place is, he's usually bringing her up there. So I think that's super cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to be honest, I, I wish I was at the show <laughs> that Alex went that, <laughs> that sounds killer. Yeah. That whole tour was pretty amazing. Did you get to go into any of the blue room shows at the tenure? So I actually wasn't at the tenure. This was just, um, oh, okay. th- from the videos that we had watched. Um, we did plan to go there. But was it last the, April? Yeah, I think it was last April. April 2019? Yeah, it was before they went on the tour for Help a Stranger, right? Yeah, so I think that kicked yeah. off the tour. Um, yeah, we were going to go down, and then timing didn't work out, that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Would have been great to go, but we'll go to the next one. I went, but it was a financial mistake. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> oh, really? Very, very last minute. <laughs> I heard it was packed. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. It was, and my wife was very pregnant, and they didn't let you take in like bags, and it was a very difficult show for us to get to as well. So I understand. <laughs> sure. But uh, yeah, his mom up there on stage is. It always makes it feel more special. It makes it feel more. I don't know. It, it makes the show feel more intimate. It makes Jack look more human, human. and less rock star. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's always nice. I agree. Yeah, it's just one of those elements that you really take away from, you know, obviously you're watching this big rock show and you you love the production, you know, you love the song selection, but it's definitely one of those things and one of those aspects that sticks out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Jordan, if you had to name three Jack-related albums or songs, how would you rank <sighs> your top three? Let's okay. go. In order or no particular order? Because this is going to be a tough uh, let's one. Let's go with two, three, and one. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's going to do number three three times. Yes. <laughs> we'll go least to most. Least to most. Okay. Corporation. Okay. Love that track. Love that riff. It's, I don't, it's massive. It's just, whenever I hear that riff, I can just picture like, you know, a football stadium, him coming out and playing that or just... I don't know. It gives you this drive. It makes you want to do so. Like, you know, it just makes you want to get on your feet. And I love that about that song. I think it was great that he did that with, um, I think he played that with at the Bernie Sanders rally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was super appropriate. But, you know, aside from that, just I love that riff. I think it's so powerful. I think the next one is going to have to be Lazaretto. I think the, nice. the production on that. And, you know, obviously it's a fan favorite, but it's definitely a, one of my favorites as well. I think it's... There's something about that guitar tone as well that I really love. You can hear the the snare on the bridge yeah. when it comes in. You can actually hear the snare drum rolling, so it sounds like an amp in a room. It's it's one of those things where you just feel like you're there. If you close your eyes, you feel like you're in the room. Is he using the bumble buzz on it that? It sounds like he is, but I think it just might be another pedal. It was around at that time, but I, because I thought I had seen that in one of the video, like promo video. I don't know. Anyway. It's in 16 Saltines, I think. Okay. So Corporation, Lazaretto, and your number one? I have to go with Don't Bother Me. Don't bother me, bother me. Wow, those are great selections. Those These are, are awesome. Deep Three cuts. very like, powerful like songs, too. Deep cuts, very, yeah. A uh, couple, couple deep cuts, yeah. I think yeah. specifically on that song, I think the, I think the riff is great. You know, that's going to be a common theme with me. I always, I always look for the riff, and I can appreciate that. But the vocal delivery on that song is just outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. It might be the most teeth he shows, as in, like, yeah. digging in vocally, aggressively. Totally. Like, yeah. You know, that's the most, if you will, rock and roll probably yeah, track on the record. It, it's nice and raw. It's in your face. And you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's Goosebump City whenever I listen to that. It's the, I think the production on that song is very, very well done. But specifically, like the riff and the vocal delivery just get me every time. It always seems to me in my head like a, I always picture Jack White in like a Motown atmosphere and the rest of the band is kind of just backing singers. Totally. So he's, he's just like at the mic and everyone's just kind of like crooning, like, don't bother him, bother him. Right. <laughs> it's one of those, Definitely. it's one of those songs where I wish he had cameras in that, in the room when they're recording, just mm-hmm. so I could, you could see the performance because I get a similar feel out of the vocals on Blank Generation. And mm-hmm. luckily we had video for that obviously because sure. it was part of the electric lady project but yeah i love that song don't bother me so that so these are some these are like pump pump you up songs these are like <laughs> I, I love are them. you just like getting jacked and going to the gym and just like, 
screaming about corporations. Man, I, I in the car, in the gym. I mean, anywhere. Yeah, no, I, I think just, I, I don't know. There's something so powerful about, I mean, specifically don't bother me, but you know, I definitely look for something that really wants to like get me on my feet and like get moving. You know, that's one of the things that it re- it physically moves me, which, you know, I don't know if there's another artist that I listen to that can do that. How funny would it be if the third one he said was uh, Abula and Acrasia? <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, cold night. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, how about you, Alex? Let's let's hear your uh, let's hear your top three in reverse order per James's suggestion. Okay, per James's uh, songs. Uh, I'm I'm doing um, I'm, the guys will tell you in the shop. I'm a I'm a record guy, top to bottom, always type yeah. thing. So I'm gonna go my three favorite Jack related projects. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so number three, if we're doing it that way, is going to be Broken Boy Soldiers. Okay. That's my okay. number three. Yeah. I mean, it's cohesive. Mm-hmm. It's rock record. I'm a big thing. Absolutely. My number two is Danger Mouse and Daniel Lupe's Rome okay. from 2011. Yeah, it's a solid choice. I don't know why I had that in my head as something you were going to pick, but it's, it's got the vibe. Everything I like, the spaghetti Western. Danger Mouse is my favorite producer. Um, it's got Jack and Nora on it as the stars. Just, I think it's a great record. Uh, live, he's done what two against one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that. um, so that's just one of my favorite records ever. Um, and he rocked one of the best Jack looks then, which was I think his Errol Flynn look or Robin mm. Hood look. <laughs> yeah, because it was right before Blunderbuss, and it was after Sea of Cowards. Right. He's busy, huh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, what's the other one on there? The ro- Rose. Something? Um, the Rose with the broken neck. That's yeah, good. he did and that. And he too. also sings "The World." So those are, those are the three tunes he yeah. sings, and Nora sings three others as well. Yeah, um, I uh, we just talked about on another podcast. I just talked about Danger Mouse's production on Beck with Modern Guilt, and boy, mm-hmm. that guy he had a streak going. Mm-hmm. He had a real from like 2006 to like 2010, 13, 14, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. He was just untouchable, Danger Mouse. I think he did four Black Keys records, and two of them were in that time frame you were just talking about. Plus, he also did. That comeback record with U2, uh, Songs of Innocence. So he'd done that. Wow. Plus, he did Chili Peppers' second record with Klinghoffer, uh, The Getaway. <laughs> like, the dude, he's got a he's got a list going on, and yeah, he's just he's awesome. But uh, yeah, so number two would be Rome. My number one is James is gonna like this. It's Consolers of the Lonely. There you go. So ah yes. I did notice something too. I definitely, whenever I, I, my favorite episodes of you guys is when you guys do the album analysis and reviews. And I notice I'm very much like, uh, if James, if James was like, if I was picking people on my team, James is in my corner. Cause James is definitely like, he likes the stuff that like I like the most. I'm like, so I'll, I know this because first off, him and I have the same favorite Jack record, if that's correct, right, James? Yeah. It, I mean, so, Consolers and Icky Thump are the two, are my top, top two. And those are my two favorite uh, racks, and my favorite White Stars record is Icky Thump. And I know that 
like whenever so whenever I know James and I are gonna always sigh whenever I'm listening. Whenever a song comes up, whenever a song comes up that I love, like so if you guys are doing like the review and like you're like, okay, here comes the first song we're gonna talk about. I go, oh, what do I think about the song? I like the song a lot. I go, I know James is gonna go, I love this song, and Paul's gonna go. Meh, it's okay. Eh, it's not my favorite. <laughs> and then you'll come up with, there'll be a song that's kind of at the end of the album that's kind of weird. And I'm like, what do I think about this song? I think it's okay. It's not my favorite, Jack. And I know that James is going to go, yeah, it's all right. And Paul's going to go, I'll fucking bleed for this song. <laughs> I will go to the grave for this song. <laughs> and James is going to be like, yeah, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> You know, I have uh, I, I appreciate that, and I have I'm secure in my appreciation for the weird beard material. Uh, I do like the weird beard stuff, and uh, I well, thank you for listening too. That's really sweet. Uh, I, I, I can it. already predict when I'm listening the songs that James will like more. Sim <laughs> <laughs> and I are in the same headspace, so yeah, that's my top three uh, Jack records. Well, nice, awesome. great choices. Well, let's hear a little bit about Copper Sound Pedals and how that got together. So, you want to tell us a little bit about the inception and and how uh, Copper Sound kind of got off the ground? Yeah. So, as Jordan was mentioning in um, his introduction to like to gear stuff and getting together, him and I worked at Guitar Center. We opened up one of the stores that opened up uh, just south of Boston, where we're from, and mm-hmm. uh, we met in. We opened up in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're doing it on the Jack calendar, it's blunderbuss. Mm-hmm. Right. And then while we were there, I eventually became the technician at that store, fixing and repairing guitars and stuff and being the resident pedal nerd at that place. Cause there always had to be one or two. Yeah. So at that point I was being the tech and I was working on pedals and stuff. And I started from my own like curiosity, building them from like, you know, kits and stuff online and uh, Jordan, at the time, he knows, like he mentioned in his intro, that uh, he's kind of like the design person. He's always been into branding and that type of stuff, and then just fulfilling that more and more. And first thing we did is he helped me do the website. Yeah. So we we're going to launch like a pretty simple website. He helped me do that. I made him a guitar pedal as like a thank you, and we kind of started just hacking away at it. That's probably around 2014. Um, so Lazaretto in your Jack calendar, the year of the Jack (laughs) Lazaretto had just been out. Um, yeah. So 2014, we kind of start actually like developing some stuff and then uh, along the lines, slowly, um, you know, updating websites, creating more products and stuff like that. But yeah, it was kind of, the inception was really around 2014 or so for the company. And then it just kind of naturally progressed um, into where we are now in 2020 of, you know, having 10, 12 SKUs, updated website, you know, going to conventions all around the country, selling stuff all around the world, just kind of like a good natural uh, bloom, if you will. Nice. And I'm sure your knowledge of the retail side of things didn't hurt in in terms of how you targeted, you know, what you felt people maybe wanted or was it when you were at guitar center were you seeing things like oh people keep asking for such and such a kind of pedal and they don't really make one or they don't really make one that i like and so we're gonna make one did that experience inform any of your decisions later on um there's a good amount of companies that might be able to stand by this because i've heard it a good amount that a lot of times a product that you'll design and develop is specifically dictated by one or a couple people's needs of like hey, I've got this and this in my rig, and I need to be able to do this. Yeah. 
And like, I haven't found that. It doesn't exist. I need it to switch this on while it turns that off and just lets me know with like an LED. And it's like, oh, that's a this. It just, you've never seen it in that box or that shape or whatever to fill that yeah. board. Because people are very specific with how their, you know, their pedal boards are. And for the listeners, when we say pedal boards, those little buttons and lights at the player's feet when they see people live, you know, just, um, just yeah. so that they know. And they have that need and you facilitate and you're like, huh. You put it online, you make some more of that product. It's like, hey, why don't I make a few of them? And then more and more people buy it. And you kind of see that. And you see it with artists. You see all the time, like, a company will have, like, an artist-inspired model. You would see it even, like, in headphones, like with Dr. Dre. Mm -hmm. You know, and you'd see it all that type of stuff, you know. Um, That's one of the things that kind of facilitated what the market needs. And other than that, it's just kind of getting feedback when you make a product. At least at Guitar Center at the time, I could make something and have a ton of people try it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You know, or if everybody there was in a band, hey, try this out. Or everybody was in a band. The nice thing was like, hey, I need a this. Can I have you make it instead of go buy it? Because it kind of be cool if I could get it blue, you know. And people really like that type of thing. So I did a lot of that, which is really fun. And like doing kind of custom shop as the intro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I have to ask before we leave the Guitar Center discussion, what was the one cover you heard constantly? How about top three in reverse order? (laughs) (laughs) Covers you heard constantly. Oh, as in people would play them? Yeah, when you were hearing it. Yeah. I mean, we know Stairway. We know that. You know, you don't don't patronize us. Give us the Smoke on the Water's got to be on there. It's got to be. Um... Interesting enough, I would say probably not as many times as you would think. I would say the most, probably the most covered one was the Sweet Child of Mine intro. With, Ooh, uh, okay, yes. Um, I'm hearing that now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people trying to do Snow oh, from uh, John yeah. Frusciani from California, from uh, mm-hmm. Stadium Arcadium. With the Line 6 <laughs> distortion on. <laughs> wow. They're pulling Stadium Arcadium on you repeatedly. My goodness. Man. <laughs> what is it, 2006 in here? <laughs> yeah, debatably, their last good album. <laughs> yeah, that, their best record. Frusciani is Man. back, though. That's what I hear. So, well, let's, well, we'll talk a little bit about Jack's gear development then. Now, he was, at the start, known for at least the, the image projected was that Jack was using very simplistic gear particularly in terms of his instrument the airline is is a cheap cheaply made guitar and Mm -hmm. you know he has uh, guitars that are seemingly falling apart at the seams and (laughs) you know he loves things that are difficult and Mm -hmm. make your hands bleed and all that stuff loves the struggle loves the struggle right yeah put the put the picks 14 steps away or whatever (laughs) but he i got i get the sense that while he enjoys that as a concept he's always been fascinated by upgrading his gear or at least at the very least understanding how sounds work because even early stories with the go and early stories with you know himself in the studio on those white stripes albums with jim diamond or what have you does seem like he's very interested in getting the sound that he hears in his head very very beatleish in that very very lennon in that way so i you know would just touch a little bit about the evolution of his gear setup now i don't really know a lot about this kind of stuff but can you guys give us a sense of like sort of where he started, where you maybe see the change start to occur in the types of gear that he's using or the sophistication of the gear that he's using? Is that a White Stripes to Rack and Tour shift or what do you think? How do you see that? Uh, yeah, so when I was thinking about this and kind of going over like how his gear has evolved, Jack's kind of 
known for having some staples on his board, and I won't get too like nerdy for the listeners, and they can always look it up and everything. But um, Jack's kind of known for playing Electroharmonics Big Muff Pie pedal, which okay. is his fuzz sound that you're going to hear on pretty much everything that he ever does. Also, um, my favorite section of Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza Hub, Paul. Pizza Hub. Pizza Hub. <laughs> Third Med Podcast after dark. <laughs> uh, so he's known for playing uh, the Big Muff Pie from EHX. Um, he's also known for playing the uh, MXR Micro Amp. And he's known for playing generally either the Whammy or the EHX Pog. And both of those are octave pedals. So Jack, right. like at its bare bones, Jack is fuzz and octave. That's what he does. Um, now, for the listeners... Yeah, speak to me as if I were a child. What do you mean by that? So essentially, <laughs> an octave. so fuzz essentially just distorting the sound in a very okay. aggressive way. Um, an octave meaning to bring the pitch up a full eight steps, technically, where you get the oct, if you will. So bringing a okay. full up. Essentially, when you do the do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, do to do is an octave. Gotcha. So okay. he'll go an octave up or down. So those are like the key essentials to Jack's rig. Fuzz. That uh, boost pedal, which just makes stuff louder, and yeah. octave. Now, if you were to go back to his old boards, you would see a couple other small things like switcher boxes. But the Big Muff Pie, the Microamp, and both the Whammy and the Pog, all of them are just red and white. Hmm. So that's part of the thing. In that band, he only played those in that color. Another notable thing, too, is EHX. The first recorded Pog sound is actually Blue Orchid. Oh, okay. So that's wow. the first time that that pedal was ever used. So it's a Get By Me Satan yep. advent. So yeah. t- around 2004, 2005 when he was doing it. is always for that band red white obviously and those three mm. pedals happen to be those colors and huh. part of me wonders if he picked them out because they were cool colors or if he liked the sound <laughs> yeah <laughs> a little bit of both well he had a bit of he had a bit of money at that time i mean that's it's like the first well i guess it's not the first record post fame but it's yeah. the first record post the big fame i guess mm-hmm. so like he would it, it makes sense that he'd be branching out at that point to maybe different kinds of stuff you know but I mean, he always gravitates towards that sound. I think, in large part, because it's uh, it sounds more bluesy is the wrong word. He's got the blues punk kind of amalgamation, sure. obviously, and so the punk side, you know, is always very gritty and you know that kind of dirty sound. Mm-hmm. And then the blues stuff is always because it was recorded so long ago. I think there's some influence in that. Maybe I don't know. It it is interesting though that he always does go there. And then like you get the dead weather, which is just dripping with with that kind of wet sound and and reverb and Mm -hmm. yeah the way i describe jack's tone is it's vulnerable as in like it sounds like his stuff's always about to fall apart yeah with like especially in something like uh, jordan saying like lazaretto or like a highball stepper if you will Mm -hmm. yeah like that has the quintessential gonna fall apart this rig's gonna Mm -hmm. give up or the amp's gonna blow and speaking of amps (laughs) jordan's gonna go over their amps what a segue. I love yeah. it. 
so some of the staples that kind of tend to be always in Jack's rig are always the f- the Fender Twin Reverb, mm-hmm. which he can be seen using a ton, and the Silvertone 1485. Now, if you look at older videos or even some of the current ones, he's always playing these amps. Um, the Raconteur's tour was a little different. Um, he had a magnetone, I believe. Yeah, and he was trying some stuff with Union Tube. Yep. So who knows? Maybe we'll see something. And I think there. Brendan was playing his um, his silver tone because he usually plays a Supro, mm-hmm. which is one of the big reasons I'm a Supro guy because yeah. of Brendan. I mean, a twin reverb is, I mean, it's an all around such a great clean amp. It's a great pedal platform. You know, it's going to showcase your pedals really, really great. Like in in kind of the most transparent way, essentially, where you're going to get the true characteristic of that sound through these amps. But it's also, it's a very loud amplifier as well. Very loud. Jack likes loud. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what's interesting, too? I was just thinking, to paint a visual, the Fender itself is just one, it's it's got an amplifier and, like, speakers all in one box. And the Silvertone he likes to do, like, uh, because Sears sold it. So Sears sold the Silvertone. Sears sold the Silvertone. Sears sold the Silvertone. By the seashore. Yeah, by the seashore. Uh, And it has a head, and then it has a cab. Those are two separate pieces. Kind of like thinking how your TV and VCR are separate. So Jack would put the cab of the Silvertone down. Then he would put this huge, like fender on top of that and then he would put the head of the silver tone on top so it's essentially a fender sandwich with the silver tone as the bread <laughs> like just waiting for problems and then on top of that he would have the copper phone mic as well wow. like at least for at least for the racks like it was just yeah, huge yeah. you know he was only electrocuted 12 times yeah <laughs> 13 uh, what with thirteen, right so are those industry standard like you said you mentioned sold at sears i know I think he's, didn't he say that he got the airline at Sears and Roebuck? Yeah. Um, is that industry standard or that's just something he picked up early and just decided to be loyal to? Because I know that happens a lot with musicians. I'm not as versed in in the Jack side of things, but I know, with, for example, the Beatles used to just wait until people gave them things and then they <laughs> stuck with that stuff for the rest of their career. Like Vox, for example, was like, that was primarily why they went with Vox for so long. So I, is that... And Vox is British. Well, there, there's that too. Yeah. Fender, Fender's American. Like Jordan was saying, the twin reverb is kind of a staple. Like you almost can't not see it in a studio in Nashville, anywhere around the world. Um, I think yeah. the Silvertone thing was just the fact that it was from a Sears and Roebuck thing. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to walk into a music store now and find like a new Silvertone. Like they're they're right. going to be used. They're going to be hard to come by, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, but Which I believe actually Jordan and I were looking this up the other day. The 1485 that he has, you usually see a 1484. But the 1485 had, we saw three speakers. That makes sense, right? Three speakers. I think two rows of three. Two rows of three speakers. Six total, but of course it had three speakers. Yeah, just (laughs) obnoxiously huge and probably inconvenient for him to... He's probably got more stuff than Meg's kit during those tours. (laughs) There was actually a used Silvertone at Guitar Center when we worked there. It came in, um, I forget how much it was, but it it was obviously vintage. And it came in, the whole crew at Guitar Center was playing it, and they were flipping out about it because i don't think they've had actually seen one in person mm-hmm. at that point um <laughs> a white it, whale if you will. Right. right but yeah they're uh, they're kind of hard to come by i mean you're not going to go into a store like i was saying and get one now but i mean twin reverbs are everywhere you know kind mm-hmm. of a staple yeah. so that is cool that, that, that is a staple up. like paul was just kind of saying yeah, yeah. the kind of like the vox with the uh beatles that was a staple for jack and that yeah. just he kept using the twin through all of his projects i'm pretty sure 
you know, he's used other stuff. Like Jordan said, he was messing around with other amps for the tour mm-hmm. that we saw. On. I mean, this past tour, the Rack and Tours Help a Stranger tour seemed to be just an explosion of gear. It's the first time I recall actually noticing the extensive pedal board. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because not only was it decked out in copper, so if it caught your eye wrong, you'd be blinded temporarily. But the, <laughs> the, the uh, I, it's the first time I remember seeing, like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. And of course, you had the interesting guitars for that. And mm-hmm. this last go around was really a, a blossoming um, for him, at least it seems. I mean, maybe that was just behind the scenes. I'm curious how long Jacks had that uh, a Silvertone amp uh, specifically, because in Good to Me. Uh, the Brendan Benson song. Oh, Brendan has a a lyric. I've got a beat up <laughs> Supro, Supro amp. amp, and it's not a Fender Tweed Deluxe. But Jack, when he covered it, changed the lyric to "I've got a beat up Silvertone amp," mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a Fender Tweed Deluxe. Wow. So I'm curious if that's something he's had in his repertoire for a little while. That's a mystery to be solved. <laughs> no, I, I, I think I think of that song all the time too because he also, you know, he, yeah, like you said, he beat up Supro amp, which actually Supro was sold like it, Supro. I think um, Gretsch and Airline are all the same. So all the same amp made at the same place, just with different names on it. I've actually got one of them. That's a Gretsch. But yeah, I always think of that song too because Brendan kind of got me into the Supro thing. Mm-hmm. He also says the line, and you might have not picked up on it. I plug it in, and it sounds like a champ. He's not yeah. saying it sounds like a good fighter. He's actually, I think, he's saying it's kind of a double entendre. He's saying it sounds like a champ is in a victor or a winner, but also Fender makes a champ. Champ, right? <laughs> So, I love that. So that's oh, a, I didn't know that. That's a little. I always kind of listen to it as the amp, but also it, it works for the casual listener. Like it, it sounds like you say champ, kind of like uh, right. prized fighter or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is so cool. That's always the way I took it. But yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm just a gear Gus, and uh, yeah, maybe in, maybe in we, the... maybe we blew somebody's mind that's listening right now on the highway. You blew mine. I, I wish we hadn't <laughs> spent so much time asking Brendan about Ringo. I would have talked to him about that. Um, my goodness. Uh, that's amazing. So let's transition then a little bit to, so I'm jumping around a little bit, but the earliest I could actually find demos and things for third man hardware or what would become third man hardware mm-hmm. was 2013. But I guess yep. the planning stages were just maybe just prior to that. But I'm just going to do, we'll do a rundown of some of the, some of the third man hardware products that they have sold or are available for sale over the years. And then we'll go into a little bit of the the beat by beats of like how it came to be. But I'll start here with the pedals. So we have the the Third Man Records Plasma Coil pedal. Now, I know you had indicated made by Game Changer Audio, and that does explain the accent from Latvia. So I didn't know that. I was watching some interviews with these fellows that it was... It was actually really cool because he's dressed, the guy who's dressed in the third man gear, you know, like the black suit and the yellow tie, but then he did have that heavy European accent. So right now we kind of feel really cool because we are in Nashville, which is, let's, let's face it, uh, Jack White and Third Man Records kind of, kind of are the biggest game in town. And uh, yeah, so this collaboration uh, is something that's like, that makes us really happy and proud both as fans of his music and we just actually always thought that the plasma is 
uh, the most suitable like effect specifically for Jack's music because of his playing style, so which has always been a big influence on us. So we're happy that this kind of uh, came to fruition finally. And then, uh, so we have the third man exclusive black flex pedal, and that is made by Mantic Conceptual, as you indicated here from Denver. And then the black bumble buzz guitar pedal. Now that's the one and made by Union Tube and Transistors mm-hmm. from Vancouver, British Columbia. Now that that's the one that I feel like gets a lot of the a lot of the attention because well, it's got a very interesting name. Again, it goes mm-hmm. with that marketing. You know, it's just Jack and Mister Marketer, but that was a, a big push early on in the thing. And I remember if there was one name or pedal or anything like that, I remembered it's Bumble Buzz. Mm-hmm. That pedal is interesting too because it has no knobs or no knobs yeah it's, yeah it's just got one button <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty pretty wild for for any piece of gear uh let alone you know something that you know jack would use but i guess that goes down to his kind of mantra of simplicity yeah but, it's if you know much about union tube there no knobs isn't that much different from what they normally do because they tend to do like the more streamlined one, two, three knob type thing. Brendan actually on the last tour had, I think it was the Nevermore. It was like a, a double gain pedal or boost pedal on that tour. He even did like a rig rundown with Premier Guitar. And, you know, having two knobs, it's not much different than, you know, just cutting down, you know, like you said, the no nonsense. Like, here's the sound. You don't need any knobs. Kick it and go. Right. Yeah. You know, and definitely seems like a jack type thing. It also seems more accessible to the the novice gear kind of market, which I think would help sell. <laughs> uh, but I, I I don't know for sure. Just plug and play seems very um, appealing. To exactly. Me. Yeah. Plug and simplicity. Ease of use is beyond like off the chart. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and going back to what you were saying, Paul, like when you think of third man hardware, which actually at this point it wasn't third man hardware. Um, oh, okay. Just going back to what you were saying with the Bumble Buzz, it. Obviously, being it's almost kind of like when you have a band, their first record is huge because it's just so big, and then the other ones are there; they're not as big. Yeah, it kind of feels like that. But here's the other thing to to you know to not to take out the wind out of the sails of um, you know Mantic or um, the other folks from Latvia, Game Changer. No man, talk some trash. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, not a trash talker episode, only, right? <laughs> trash tongue talk. Uh. So. Um, <laughs> So the Bumble Buzz, yeah, that was like what we were saying, 2013. It wasn't until when was Mantic? Last year was Game Changer, right? Last year was Game Changer. In the year before or so, like Mantic was around 2018. So they had like a 17 or 18. Yeah. So they had like a four year drought. And then Third Man Hardware was kind of, they had its own thing where it was actually called Third Man Hardware. Mm -hmm. And they were definitely doing more of a push because we were saying, Jordan was just saying, so this was kind of. During, I think you guys refer to it in the uh, show, the Jack Drought. Ah, oh, the Jack a Drought. A little bit more of a Jack yeah. Drought. So, if 2019 was um, Help a Stranger, I think what the last thing he had done before that was was what Boarding House Boarding House Reach in 2018. Yeah. 2018, and but there was like in 2016 and 17 there wasn't as much stuff, no. right? So that's where there was a big push for Third Man Hardware right. and all the accoutrements and stuff. So that's why you kind of saw the flex, and then you saw. The one from uh, Game Changer, the plasma, plasma coil. coil. You kind of yep. saw those back to back. So, what you were saying, Paul, is like when you think of the Bumble Buzz, or when you think of Thurman Howard, you think of the Bumble Buzz. That's because it kind of was like the only thing on the podium for a while, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So why? I mean, why start a product line when there's only one thing to do? As the stable grew, it, I think it made sense for them to actually make a, a specific product line of of hardware because 
I mean, he has a ton of stuff out now. It also makes sense to a certain degree that, you know, a record company making hardware is kind of a weird outlying kind of thing. It's possible he hadn't thought about making an entire line of it then, but knowing him, he probably did. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> right? they put out, uh, <laughs> uh, Third Man put out some amps. They put out uh, the Critter and Guitar Eaters amp, and then... Also, they put out an instrument uh, with Critter and Guitari as well, uh, the Septivox synthesizer. Now, those two, the Septivox and the Turs, were both used with Jack Lawrence in Jack Lawrence's only official solo <laughs> recording of oh, Silver wow. Flying Machine. Hmm. Huh. Um, and it was used as the, uh, the kind of demo for those from Critter and Guitari. That's awesome. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a little Easter egg nugget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Third Man also put out some accessories, uh, an EXL 110 D Adaro Diodaro Didario 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 Come on, come in Dewey Decimal System. Those are guitar or strings, and then you have the lightning bolt guitar strap. We have some Third Man cables for plugging into their various pedals and things, and amps. And uh, you have uh, guitar pick tin and drumsticks as well that are third man branded. So you have you've kind of a uh, a wide swath of sure. Yeah, of you have a line now. Various things. Yeah. And you have conspicuously absent a signature guitar. Now I feel like it's just a matter <laughs> of time. I feel you know because Jack was playing the St. Vincent one on his boarding house reach tour, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking he must have been paying attention. Like in the back of my mind, he must have been thinking. I'm going to do that one of these days. I mean, he also played, right. what, the Eddie Van Halen? The yeah, he was Wolfgang. playing the EVH. Wolfgang. Then, yeah, right. yeah, the Wolfgang. Mm-hmm. So I, one of these days, I right? think that f- is going to put out a guitar. I, I think, you know <laughs> what? I think black he's, and <laughs> I think he knows people expect that of him, which is why he will avoid it until. I feel like he's not, I feel like he's not going to. Yeah. I and know. it was interesting. Gibson gave him, I think, uh, what, the Flying V, the Les Paul, right before the last, mm-hmm. or the Help a Stranger tour. The gold ones. Yeah, yeah the gold tops. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. He was playing those, but he does play this variety of of stuff and everybody's just waiting. All right, is it going to be a Telecaster? Is it, mm-hmm. you know, is it going to be going back Les to the Paul the, the yeah. Les Paul that Jordan mentioned too? You can also see that in the video for Sunday Driver. Yes, the V. Oh yep. yeah, yep. You can see he's the got v. those yeah. gold shoes on too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so he's got all the gold for, and I think it might be the heaviest Les Paul to date. It's like 20 pounds or something oh, like that. Yeah. It's like something stupid, break your back, make it difficult, because I'm Jack. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why not, thing, though? Which... Now, maybe he was showcasing the third man guitar straps, you know, strength. <laughs> <and> dirt, <right? laughs> yes, exactly. They're made of Kev- Kevlar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just, he uh, also, uh, going back to guitars, too, he has the very first, when um, Fender kind of redid their, uh, I think it was, what, the Acoustasonics? Yes. Right? Oh, right. That's those, right. Those guitars he was playing, where you can switch on an acoustic sound or an electric sound. Mm-hmm. He was doing that for Help a Stranger, and he'll play that yeah. a lot on um, if they do Only Child Live, or yep. where he'll he'll switch from the acoustic side, and um, I think the switcher box on his board will mm-hmm. immediately turn him to uh, his dirty channel, which is yep, which is so cool. I I think he showcased that guitar really well. It was that, awesome to see that come out. Yeah. 
And that was the first custom shop fender of that type. Happened wow. to be Jack. Because, mm-hmm. of yeah, course. <laughs> if I recall, they did that as a promotional thing, right? Yeah, totally. Like to, mm-hmm. to kind of build the, uh, the guitar up to be like, here's a very uh, amazing guitarist. Look at him play our guitar. <laughs> I recall that being a, a very big, uh, not headline grabbing, but you know, like uh, in the gear world, <laughs> the stuff that we were researching, we were seeing a lot of people being like, wow, look at this new thing that he's got. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You think he'll make a custom drum kit before he makes a custom guitar? Maybe. He, no. he did. He, Snare, <laughs> kick, yeah. and floor tom. That's it. He did Three do pieces. some video breakdowns when he was doing Dead Weather about yeah. his custom kit and everything, which was really, really cool. We won't. You know, not to, not to get too into that. You know, a guy like Little Jack would tell you the most important part of the band is the bass. Someone like Dean might say the most important part of the dead weather is the bass. And then you got Allison over here yapping about the most important part of the band is the bass. Well, guess what? They're all right. It is the bass drum. The bass drum is the most important part of the band. Without this kick, we can't kick it. That's my, I think maybe my favorite Jack video ever is that because he's talking about his wide snares Mm -hmm. and he's also talking about how he likes everything low because Ringo had a low kit and so Mm -hmm. all the screaming girls could see Ringo and then while they while he's talking about it he flashes a photo of Mickey Dolan yeah it's just so very good it's just made you know that's one of those narrow references you know that's gonna really well I guess it's not that narrow but it He's going to make an accordion or a tuba before he makes a, a kit or a uh, guitar, I think. Yeah. But not a harmonica. He no. vowed never to learn harmonica. I was explaining that to a coworker the other day. I was like, yeah, Jack doesn't know how to play harmonica. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, the- Paul said, apropos of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking about, I forget what we were talking about. Like, uh, we were talking about the still and uh, the, the harmonica, the crazy like harmonica on, what is it? Little Bird? I got a little burp. Yeah, whatever. And yeah, Jack vowed to sure. have one instrument he'd never knew how to play. He would never mm-hmm. know how to play. And it's the harmonica, and it's a very Jack White thing to do. Um, this is how I imagine that discussion at your work, Paul. <laughs> Someone goes at the water cooler, hey, do you know if Cindy and Accountant's back from vacation? You know Jack can't play the harp? <laughs> <laughs> He can't. <laughs> he chooses not to. He'll stir his coffee with it. He won't learn it. <laughs> I got to tell you. Anyway, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, bye. I don't know if she's back from a vacation. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the... So whenever we get a new announcement for some of this equipment, we usually get, which is really, I think, for, for the people who are non-gear guys, uh, the cool thing is we get all these we get like demo sessions or we get like mm. little jams and things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we compiled a list here of some of those. And the first one that I could find was for the Bumble Buzz in 2013. And the video is really cool. I love this video you're going gonna to talk yeah. about. It's great. Yeah, I didn't really, you know, this is, well, I guess, November 27th, 2013. I pretty last read a like we were talking about before. And I didn't really have a, a conception of third man making 
hardware at the time. But when you look at this video, and it's it's cool, you got Olivia Jean on guitar, accompanied by Brendan Benson on drums. Oh yeah, and then you have Fats Kaplan on fiddle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Jack playing guitar. And it's really, it's an awesome, like cool little jam. And I think they actually even give the thing a name. They, they call it Bread and Water is the song that mm-hmm. they're playing. I mean, we'll play a little bit here. Written, I, I assume, especially for the session, but never never put down otherwise. So they're all using the, I guess, the bumble buzz on their respective instruments, with even fats on the fiddle. With mm-hmm. I, I That assume. was crazy to see. It's like, what yeah. is that going to sound like? That's really cool. Yeah, it's it's really funny. And we were talking about his gold shoes with Sunday Driver. He's wearing what appeared the, to be like yellow, yellow wax or something. <laughs> like, looks like he, his, he stepped in a crayon puddle um but it's really really cool another little fun bit from this video i found was that it's it was recorded at the the now defunct brendan benson ready-made studios studio which is awesome so so this is i guess the first instance of the bumble buzz and at least out there and we could kind of get a sense of how it sounded in terms of um you know an actual demo and this is via the official third man records uh, press release about it perhaps the most exciting thing the musician in your life could find in his or her stocking this year is the Bumble Buzz guitar pedal, <laughs> a buzz pedal made by Union Tube and Transistor and modeled after the pedal they made for Jack White to use while recording I'm Shaken. So that's where we get a little bit of that. That's uh, James, I think you had you had said 16 saltines, but I guess yeah, I'm Shaken was the, James. Was the, was the, God, <laughs> the worst. Hand produced with painstaking attention to detail, this pedal will arrive to his lucky recipient housed in a gorgeous wooden box, which includes a custom bandana and ready to crank out some stinging sounds. So yeah, that's 2013. I had no idea it went back this far. I originally, when I got mine, I read it as banana and was disappointed. <laughs> it's custom banana. It's, it's Where's the banana? stinks in this box. It's, 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 the, it's the right I, color. I really mm. should have expedited shipping. Yeah. <laughs> Another cool yeah, thing well. about that video was I think Brendan was playing drums. Yeah, yeah. That's what we were saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. And it kind of also did this like panning thing where it would go around the room, yeah. kind of like from the center. A very like gave it kind of this very intimate feel. Definitely. It's you know? awesome. I'm going to queue it up here. I'm going to just put it on so we can, because we can, we have the technology. We have the technology, yeah. And this is cool. The animation they put, they used to do this for everything. I know. I guess in 2013, they did this for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we learned when we were talking to Brendan, I didn't realize how much drums he actually played, but he played drums on Metairie and I assume a bunch of other tracks of his. And... You can also see in some of these vault DVDs, at least the um, the Tulsa vault, you could see that DVD there of Brendan playing drums with Jack back in like 1999 or some crazy shit like that, which is cool. So what is she playing there? Does anybody know what? Looks like Olivia's- Jack's duo jet. Yeah. 
Yeah, we also got a cool look at Olivia Jean's pedals when we she released a video just prior to the quarantine where she walked everybody through them. Here we go with Fats on the fiddle. Wow, those shoes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, he's got the the limited edition one there. Now, what are the what is that little shit on his pick guard? It looks like almost like a bicycle lock. What is that? Are those little? Those are just a bunch of switches. Oh, it looks like he has the limited edition one yeah. too. Um, <clears throat> I, I think you were asking about on the pick guard. He has, it's um, their toggle switches to change the pickups on that, which I believe is a base six in that gotcha. video. And he's using the twin reverb, as we mentioned before. Yeah. He's always nice. got it. One of the things I really like about this video is it showcases that it can be used for multiple instruments, where it's not just a guitar going through it. I mean, having, having Fats use that is really cool too. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I didn't really think about it. That was kind of the point of this this demo, I guess, is to show just the wide variety of it. And it is kind of just marketed as a guitar pedal, and most people just see it as a guitar right. pedal. But that is a an interesting concept to be able to throw it on multiple electric instruments. Yeah, definitely. Well, I guess we can move on here to uh, December 2016. A couple of years later, we get a Bumblebuzz promo. A promo for the Bumblebuzz pedal on the December 7th of 2016. But we get about 30 seconds or so, and then uh, we move on to November of 2018. So we're really just speeding through time. The Bumblebuzz has has been the, the kind of go-to it's for a while me. there. <laughs> it's, it's dead to me. Now we're at the Mantic Flex pedal promo. <laughs> He's playing some very cool, as Paul put it in our group notes here, guitar scribblings, which I really appreciate. Just, <laughs> just the real panache of that term. Great um, journalism here yeah. by Paul. <laughs> he did some kind of scribbling thing. <laughs> I mean, in a world of gear where you have wet and dry sounds, scribbling sounds right. It yeah. sounds fine. Right? I would also like to point out, not, we don't normally show our guests our, our silly Google Doc. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where we hand off the conversation from one person to the other. Um, well, it's appreciated. The amount of inside jokes that we have here and the little quirky things is, is just like you guys. There you go. There you go. Um, but we got someone on bass and synth. We don't exactly know who it is. And we get a press release from the official Third Man Records site here. Uh, as heard prominently on Jack White's guitar solo in Why Walk a Dog, this monophonic synth fuzz has delighted and bewildered listeners since Jack began using it back in 2014. The Mantic Flex can provide an array of sounds from thick, phase-sweeping square waves with pitch dive bombs to brutal bit-crushed octaves and fluttery 
Theremin-esque squawks. Ooh. See, I, now, Scriblins doesn't seem so crazy in the <laughs> right? theremin in terms of all these. That's um, their official copy. They're saying, yeah. they're writing squawking. <laughs> From the person that brought you theremin-esque comes Ooh. Scriblins. <laughs> theremin-esque sounds like a, like a private eye or something. I don't know. <laughs> or some kind of... Uh, NPR show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, let loose, get lost, and find yourself in the mind-twisting tonal soundscape of the Flex, which really sounds great in 2020. I just want to get lost in that soundscape right. of the Flex. <laughs> so we have a, a limited edition yellow pedal here as well, which I think we'll get into it, but most of the limited edition pedals are, are yellow. Well, actually, this is you guys. Why don't you? What, yeah. what am I doing? You what guys do, do some work. <laughs> you know what? Why don't you tell us about the limited edition versus the standard editions and the color differences and all that sort of stuff? You were on a roll. We were getting the hammocks set up. Just yeah. to listen. <laughs> Tying it just off. reading. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Third Man always does yellow for their limited editions, and they always do black for the standard. And when we had a uh, conference call with them, they were explaining it because on record, they always do black for the standard record. And that's like the standard color. And there's many mm. reasons and people telling why. And if you do a limited edition of like a record or a any of that type of thing. Sometimes you'll see like a marble, a clear, a red, this weird acrylic colors, like somewhat transparent, swirly things, but the standard's always black. So the way Jack mentioned that to us was like, it made the most sense that the limited is yellow and then the regular standard day to day is black. That Just is... like on a record. And I was like, that's really smart. Mm-hmm. Leave it to this crazy guy come up with that <laughs> smart thing. Yep. That is crazy. I, I can't wait for him to put out a tricolor version. Uh, that's, <laughs> Jordan actually great. has Jordan actually just got a Mantic Flex. Oh, nice. Yeah, they were um, they were nice enough to send me one, and I actually recorded some stuff with it this morning. So funny, but that thing is absolutely crazy. It I, I yeah. don't know how to describe it. It's just it's one of the most fun pedals to play. I think Mantic did an amazing job with it. Um, the third man version with only three controls, it's super easy to use. Like this, the user interface on it is great, you know, so you don't have to spend an hour with a user manual or a PhD trying to <laughs> tweak knobs and get what you want. But I think they, they did a great job with it. And it's one of the most fun pedals to play. I'll say that. Now, they mentioned square wave in their copy. Is that what I think it means? Like literally the Probably waves not. are... No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Does square wave mean like it? There's a an abrupt, like start and stop to it, and then it's sort of flat in the middle, like. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, square I wave. Did like, it. Yeah, it's not. It's <laughs> not. It's not sine. It's not sawtooth. It's not triangle. It's square. It's essentially up or down, mm-hmm. up or down, peak peak and trough, if you will, yep. or peak and valley. So it's just as we would refer to it in our world, usually with um, clipping or the amount of distortion. Square is like the most extreme. Like you're not even getting like your some semblance of what original was. Mm. Almost, it's just like think of it like it's fully wet. It's just clipping off the off the chart. But yeah, Mm. and that's what that pedal sounds like. Yeah, like like sine wave is a little bit more smooth. Where you're gonna Mm. hit those peaks and troughs a little softer. Where it's literally almost like a wave hitting Mm. the um the max and the min. So when when we talked to Joe Ciccarelli about Jack's lead playing on Icky Thump. He was talking about trying to replicate the sounds of a bad punch-in, which I assume is kind of the principle behind a square wave where you you don't have the... You clip the beginning and the ends of the thing, so it really is just... It's kind of 
it's where the, that squawking comes from that you know that kind of thing um I find all that stuff fascinating because I, of course, as you can tell from this conversation, have I have no formal training in any of this, but we do see a lot of sound waveforms in our day to day just from doing this all this recording, and so I do, I you know, I was start I start to get a sense of what sound waves look like. The visual, the visual helps definitely. I was just going to say yeah. you learn so much by the visual. You yeah. really do, yeah, and mm-hmm. it's fascinating. And and my uh, again on the other show I'm on co-hosted by somebody who's more technically proficient than i and he was he's telling me about bass waves and how you know they can they they're so large that they can like rattle walls and then that, that that's why you know when a car is going down the street and the thing it's it's the, the sound waves are literally stretching and i'm doing a lot of hand motions right now i find all this stuff very fascinating i feel like if i did it for a career i'd be bored by it but i i'm just tickled <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they mention in the in the copy bit crushed, which is a an interesting way to put it because it bit crushed is very uh, you know, I think everybody most people would would hear that and think of like 8-bit video games, which is very digitized and mm-hmm. square waves kind of seem like they would fit well into that kind of Sure. Uh, totally. Music scape. All of my bit crush is invested in TikTok. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Right, whatever. Oh, come, on. Know, come on. <laughs> come on. That was good. I appreciated that. Thank you. Thank you very Bit much. Crush is my 8-bit dating app, Paul. Please. <laughs> hey, 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 there you go. The princess uh, is in this castle. Hey. And you're the lizard did man. Did we just start a company? I think we did. Hey. I think I so. Like it. Yeah. Do you think Bowser... Do, how far do you think Bowser tried to get with the princess? Just like on a... Paul, like, you're you're delving into some really uh, just physically speaking. Third is, base. He's a big lizard man. Turtle man, Paul. Please. <laughs> um, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check one two. <laughs> So you guys had called out here an article from June 2019. Now, I, I we were so excited about the Rack and Tours in 2019. Again, mm-hmm. a simpler time that we I wasn't really paying much attention to this hardware stuff. But you guys have called out here a premier guitar article featuring Brendan and Jack talking about some of this stuff. Did you guys want to walk through that with us? Or yeah, definitely do. So we were reading this article um, at the time. the The project that we have been working on was on his current touring pedal board. You know, there was no speak of it or anything. A couple photos yeah. on the internet that we uh, were certainly not too happy about, but, you know, you, you can't beat Reddit, you know, with everybody with a phone <laughs> that goes to a show. But we were looking in this article to see if he had mentioned anything or teased anything, and I was like, you know, from our conversations with him, he wanted to keep this completely a secret. So I was, I was relieved to see that nothing was spoken about it, but he went over the rest of his pedal board. But some of the things that he did say was, quote, we actually have two new guitar pedals coming out that we haven't announced yet. Uh, I can't tell you about them, but they're coming out in the next few months. And at that point, one of them was the Plasma Coil from Game Changer. So this had not been released yet. Um, But when we saw that, we were obviously super excited that he had mentioned something about it, which is really cool. Right. Nice. Yeah, and then we have in the summer and fall months, we have the more Plasma Coil promo. And then, you know, that's where I found a lot of the trade show videos and things like that. And in the fall of 2019, we got 
a, a demo session, uh, which is what we had talked about, uh, you know, before the call, when on November 18th, we got this really awesome video of Jack, Dominic, and Daru jamming some of Jack's songs using mm-hmm. the new gear. And we really, I boy, I wish they would just release this thing on like an EP or something because the sun, we get so many awesome renditions we get over and over and over why walk a dog black math lazaretto blue blood blues another way to die which was kind of shocking that one i didn't mention it earlier in my top three but that's my top four favorite (laughs) riff from him it's It's such a great riff oh my goodness yeah and uh and cut like a buffalo as well so i i wish we had gotten a whole album out of that crew but uh, that was a particularly cool session foreshadows um some of the things that we'll be touching on in a moment but um in june 2020 that's right the year of the antichrist 2020 we got we did get an accessories (laughs) demo on june 11th in what i suspect is outtake footage from the prior falls demo recording session we get jacks are walking through accessories and things and and he riffs on getting the mine shaft which again very cool what other songs did he play i wonder sort of the history of these demo things and that brings us to you you two you two folks hmm? do you want to <laughs> do you want to tell us about the cool stuff coming up with uh, third band hardware and copper sound pedals yeah i think we're going to tell you about the fourth pedal that's coming out with third man hardware Woo! jordan's going to give us the intro <laughs> okay <laughs> So at this point, we would like to introduce the Third Man Triple Graph, which is a collaboration between us, Copper Sound Pedals, and Jack White and Third Man Records. So I should have had the cricket thing ready then. (laughs) (laughs) What a perfect name for a uh, Jack White-based pedal. Love it. Well, we we know Jack White loves uh, threes. Can you? But again, speaking to me as if I were a child. What exactly is a triple graph, and how does it differ from the other pedals that we've seen from Third Man over the years? 
So the triple graph comes from a couple ideas that we were brainstorming here as we were creating this pedal. And for those of you who've not seen it, it's a pedal with three of our proprietary telegraph keys on top of it, which act as triggers for each of the effects that this holds. So obviously taking telegraph, keeping the graph, but we were trying to figure out what a cool name would be to describe the functionality of this while also keeping it, you know, a relatively cool name, we thought. Um, we had thought about octograph because the, the effect is primarily octave, but we landed at triple graph, and at that point, everybody had liked it. And Jack liked it, so we thought that was cool. Yes, <laughs> that's the most important thing. Yeah. So he liked triple graph. We were happy about that. But essentially, nice. the triple graph is a triple function octave pedal. Um, it's a very high-powered DSP board inside which triggers an octave down with one of the keys an octave up with one of the keys and the middle key has a couple different functions that we can get into so for those of you who don't know us we have a pedal called the telegraph stutter which is a momentary kill switch so when pressed down it's essentially an on and off yeah. button that will chop up your signal kind of like a choppy tremolo Almost like a square wave, like we were talking about earlier. Oh, nice. yeah. So huh. essentially, it's it's a really quick mute switch for your guitar. Does that one have a telegraph key as well? Because I'm I'm curious, how common is a telegraph key on a pedal? There might have been people that have done it, um, but I think we're the first one to actually have like a production of it, like having a telegraph key to use as an effect pedal. We started making those around. Uh, I think 2015 or so the prototype was maybe a little earlier than that um the first ones were and so yeah it's just a a small we'll say it's about four inch by two and a half inch very small pedal fits in the palm of your hand and has a telegraph key on the top of it and the um player is just able to press down the button and completely kill the signal and you can do that in like a pattern or make a tremolo effect, if you will, like we were saying, That's square cool. wave. Yeah. Um, kind of do a stutter. We actually kind of, we haven't asked him, but it could be a digital thing, but we think that he also used it on, what's the song we were just talking about? Oh, getting the mind shaft? Yeah, there's, there's this a part certain, where he cuts up his vocals. Yeah, he chops it up almost like a DJ would if you were to do that digitally in a software. Huh. And, um, you yeah. know, obviously you can put whatever you want through this telegraph stutter. You can put, you know, if it's line level, you can put a microphone or a guitar or essentially anything that with a quarter inch jack. Um, and when I heard that song first time, I think I, I screenshot or I audio clipped it and I sent it to Alex. I was like, I think that's the one we gave him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that must so, have been a very cool feeling. Yeah. It, it, if it was, it was the one that we gave him in 2016. So in 2016, we went down to Nashville and we had a convention there, the National Association of Musical Merchants. People refer to it as NAM. It's just a yeah. big, it's Comic-Con for gear. Sure. And um, we were down there, mm -hmm. and we were getting ready to go. It was going to be our first show. We were actually presenting with, like, a booth and everything. And we were getting ready to go. And Jordan was like, you want to make one and drop it off at Third Man? And I was like, <laughs> I think it might have said something like, yeah, but let's make it yellow or something like that. Or That's like, hey, literally wanna, what he said. He's you like, wanna, like, let's yes, make it, but let's make it yellow. Let's make it yellow. Because <laughs> I know Third Man's all about yellow. Because... Um, I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the show. Obviously, you guys have gone over colors and stuff. Yeah. Technically, the third man, I mean, you always see yellow and black because they contrast so well. Technically, third man's colors are yellow and white, which we heard ah. from Jack. I was like, huh, 
That makes sense. But again, white and yellow can be tough to incorporate together because they're so they can be so similar. But anyway, mm-hmm. we make one in right. yellow. And we bring it down there. I took a photo of it outside. The only photo, because of course I'm an idiot and didn't take more photos while we were here. <laughs> um, and then we dropped it off. We went in there. We dropped it off with um, a couple of people at the front desk. I think the storefront was even smaller at this point than it is. And uh, we dropped it off. We we're like, hey, we're big, big fans of Jack's. And we had a gift. We were in town. We th- thought it'd be cool to drop it off and they were like oh cool yeah we'll take it what we usually do with these is we just leave it at his door and then in the morning it's gone <laughs> <laughs> like some kind of reverse santa claus yeah <laughs> yeah so in the morning it's kind of gone so it's like okay that's cool and i think uh we bought a couple pieces of merchandise from them and uh then we had to go to the show which is a walking distance from third man in nashville Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to the show cause we had to do a, it's a three day show and we were there. Um, first time presenting ever, first time the company's ever been presented as a company, you know, had a small little six by eight booth. It might've been that very first day or second day. It's hard to remember now four years ago, but we get a voicemail on like the company voicemail and it's, uh, Ben Swank. Wow. And, he, and Ben nice. Swank calls us. He's like, hey, yeah, we got the thing that you dropped off for Jack. We actually have the recording. It'll be used somewhere. We're going to drop it in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was like, yeah, hey, it's it's uh, Ben at Third Man Records. And we got this thing that you dropped off. That was really cool. He had an idea. I wanted to talk to you guys. I'm going to try to get into the show. And uh, at that point, in the place, like, there's no cell phone service. And if there is... It's limited, and the Wi-Fi is limited because everybody's on the bandwidth because there's 400,000 people there, like, mm-hmm. in a square mile. It's just ridiculous. So I'm, like, running outside to try to call them back. Like, I see the voice messaging, and I'm, like, I'm trying to call them. Yeah. And I run outside. I think I eventually got through to him, and we were, like, how are they going to get into the show? It's, like, the day of. You, It's not open to the public until, like, the last day, if it is. Yeah, the thing with NAM is it's very it's very kind of a deal where you need to have a badge and access to, like, really even get in the lobby. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, when we received that call, we were like, oh, man, how are they going to get in? We'd love to meet up and discuss this. But, and we got to stay at the booth and right, watch yeah, everything. I mean, we have to answer, you know, for the people that are walking around looking at our stuff, we still have to showcase our thing. But obviously, this is our main concern at this point. You know, yeah, you're, kind of, you're essentially trapped in a gigantic yonder pouch. <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you can't well get out. <laughs> but that must, that must have been maddening to have to like, I do a lot of conventions too. And I, mm-hmm. it drives me insane, the, the lack of reception and internet and those things. But yeah, it must have been crazy You're running in and out, just trying to make sure that you're catching the calls and things. I it must have been simultaneously extremely exciting and wildly terrifying that you would miss <laughs> out. Or something. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you don't just get that call every day because we didn't anticipate anything. It was like, oh, it'd be a cool gift. Yeah, I was like, I mean, obviously he's one of Alex's favorite artists. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for guitar playing. It was the first song I learned on guitar. Let's go to Jack's place. Let's give him yeah. a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't literally did not think anything of it. It's like, oh, great. You know, that's awesome. We gave him a part of our, you know, a part of our company and just thought it would be a nice gesture. And then we end up getting a phone call that would literally change our life for the next four years. Amazing. That wow. That is crazy. Well, you certainly knew how to market it well to them, even if it was just a gesture being yellow and a telegraph based <laughs> object, which seems very up his alley. Like aesthetically, that is 
just <laughs> chef's kiss perfect yeah which i don't even know how where would you manufacture telegraph keys nowadays i don't anyway i digress uh that is amazing this triple graph that you have it comes in uh limited and standard edition bundles do you want to tell us a little bit of about uh, the two different bundles you can get for these? Yeah, for sure. Jordan pretty much did all the design and all the art and everything for it. Uh, we'll have him tell you about the differences, which we already learned and the viewers and listeners learned. <laughs> Yellow is limited and black mm-hmm. is standard. There you go. So for the limited edition triple graph, we have a couple different things that are going to make it really special. We have um, obviously the, the yellow finish, which is kind of um, a textured yellow which looks really nice with the white and black screen print for all of the controls. Um, another thing that we have is we have a custom serial number badge plate that was machined out of aluminum, completely custom, and then UV printed on, or I'm sorry, uh, UV etched with the serial number all the way from uh, 001 to 100. And it all comes in in a, a limited edition box um, that's going to be different from the standard box. I can get into some specifics about that. It comes with... 130 plus page book that we've designed here at the shop from day one of us coming back here trying to brainstorm things all the way till about you know maybe about three weeks ago and now is uh, today's august 9th so probably you know end of july really when we finished up everything um so all of this is jam-packed into this special book that just really documents all of our our hardships our our leaps and bounds of, you know, succeeding, failing, succeeding, failing, and eventually reaching the point where we were able to, you know, satisfy Jack's sound and make a product that, you know, he was really happy with. So that's very exciting to have. Those are actually going to be in all of the bundles. But one of my favorite things that comes with the limited edition is a certificate of authenticity that's going to be in every limited box that's going to be serialized and signed by Jack. Wow. And there are 100 units of those available. While supplies last. (laughs) (laughs) While supplies last. And I love the aesthetic on the box. I don't want to give too much away, but there's some um, Morse code on there, which which goes back to the telegraph thing. And uh, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. design-wise, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful package. Thank you very much. Now, I have a question about the book. Did you guys work in conjunction with Third Man Books for that, or was that an independently developed so the idea came from us. I think I was taking photos of it just to document really for us in the beginning how yeah. cool this project was. It was really just meant to be like a thing like, hey, you know, maybe we'll have this printed out, put it in a binder at the shop and we'll be able to look at it one day. But as it evolved, I really thought that this would be so cool for the person buying this pedal to see that it's not just this thing designed on a computer going to a, you know, a massive warehouse being produced you know this is really all of the all of the difficult times that we had making this thing work so we presented this idea to them you know i had a couple sample books printed and i really tried to stick to their branding as well as you know yeah. the aesthetic of this book so we presented this to them was this the june 2020 i yes. mean i'm sorry january 2020 january right? yeah wow flew by the most recent meeting yes right? So we had a couple sample books printed and, um, you know, I'm so fortunate to this day. I was able to hand Jack kind of like our final product on at that point, like our final prototype in the box with the book and everything. And their director um, of 
design Jordan Williams, who's fantastic to work with, and Katie Studley, who's their director of operations, they really fell in love with the book and they thought it was a great thing to have everybody see with this pedal. <laughs> so, you know, there are certainly some things and we made some tweaks to make sure everybody was happy with the design. Um, but, you know, gratefully enough, they really let me run with it is how we wanted, which is, I mean, honestly, kind of just a dream come true. Like I look at everything the third man does with the attention to detail and, you know, I'm just, I'm so grateful and I'm very happy that we were able to do it this way. Yeah. You know, so it's it's such a very special project for us as far as like having this book come along. And some things in the book that are really cool is that there's going to be hidden Morse code um, <laughs> on each page or yeah. I would say the majority of the pages. And there's an there's an index in the beginning where you can kind of decode these messages that will essentially give you messages that we might have not covered in the copy of the book, but mm -hmm. will be like. You know, they'll serve as hidden meanings or hidden things that we try to bury in there as far as what the picture correlates to. Now, is, um, is, is that an invisible ink? Because I've heard that invisible ink is just urine. You're not peeing on these, are you? <laughs> well, that's a different uh, question. Uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I've personally peed on everyone. Would, are you surprised that Jack liked the idea of hidden Morse code? <laughs> any other <laughs> listeners at home surprised that Jack liked the hidden Morse code? <laughs> And if you put the book on a turntable, it will play a hidden track. Uh, absolutely. With a hologram that's written. Right, right, right. And the hologram is of me. Well, <laughs> we kind of definitely tried to get in that mindset, like being such a huge nerd of Jack's and all the vault stuff and what they do, especially with the Lazaretto Ultra LP thing, like trying to be in that mindset. Was it me that came up with the Morse code thing, like the hidden thing? It was. When we were doing I, originally, it? Originally, I just wanted to have this as a picture book, like just to really document the process. Like a coffee table type book. Sure. Like you could open it up and anybody could look yeah. at it. And I remember Alex saying to me, we were pulling out a bunch of like different albums, like the sleeves from different bands and stuff and looking at artwork like that just in the other room. And he was like, what if there was hidden Morse code in here? <laughs> I was like, oh my God, we have to do it. Mm, so awesome. I will say brilliance to him in that he he inspired a lot of this and he helped me a lot with it and um i think everybody who gets it is really going to enjoy it it's going to be it's going to be very very fun for the person who purchases yeah, it, this it's interactive it's got that uh has the uh key at the beginning and then it's so you so you know all the letters and then you'll be able to write down all the hidden messages and that. um it started as like a 50 page book and it's now longer than John Steinbeck's Of Mice and Men. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have any words originally. And when we were getting down there, we were talking about like, hey, talking to Katie and Jordan and uh, Christina and everybody involved down there. And we were having like this mini design meeting after the main meeting with Jack in his office. And then we sat down, we had some lunch. We were doing like a second meeting, if you will, for like three or four hours. We'll say it was three hours. And they were so excited about the book that we brought to the table for like the limited edition, they were like, this story is too cool. People got to know the story. Let's put it in every, every box, you know? Wow. So limited and standard would have it. And then we kind of went back to the drawing board about it. Cause it was kind of more, the book was more kill bill, if you will. It was kind of out of order. It was yeah. just kind of like, this picture looks cool. Put it in there. What's the next picture? Oh, that looks cool. Put it there. And now Jordan kind of went back to the drawing board, added, about two and a half times more pages, but we illustrated it from start to finish better with the hidden Morse code. It makes sense for the reader. Plus, there's copy on probably every other page, if you will, averaged out. So they actually can read about what's going on, not just wonder and look sure. for Morse code scribblings. 
I think one of the <laughs> scribbles. And how many yes. how many bunny rabbits did you squeeze to death in this book? <laughs> <laughs> one of the other, I think, a great point that we took away from that meeting was that you know sometimes when you're so far in a project, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, like if you're really focused on something, you don't really step out of the bubble and see how other people are going to view this. So mm-hmm. originally, when we had no text or anything on the pages, and it was really just like a, a conceptual, like art, essentially like an art book. You know, we kind of stepped back and we were like, well, let's actually tell the story here. So there was about, I think, a little over 4,000 photos taken. And we were able to narrow it down to about 130 or so. Yeah. I think and Ken Burns is going to do this pedal at one point. <laughs> There's so much documentation. On it. Are you going to be including the, fo- the the lone photo of the of the pedal that started all of this? It's right at the beginning. Not hey. to give anything away. I just did. There we nice. go. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's cool. It really it tells it from you know literally the inception of it until you know just about a month and a half ago. Wow. Now I know you can't. Speaking of spoiling things, you don't want to get too much into this, and I don't know how much you can talk about it. But I was wondering if there is perhaps some what why don't we call them out of sequence reverse order highlights from meetings at Third Band Records, possibly specifically with Jack White. I think our listeners would just be interested to hear like what what was that let to get all jiminy glick on you but what was that like what did what did how did that what was that like <laughs> uh jiminy was that jiminy cricket trying to do a jackson well it was <laughs> <laughs> now I, I i assume you had to be temporarily cryogenically frozen and inserted into Jack's office or something like that or I can't remember there was so we pull up to the door and then a bag went over our heads and I don't remember the last like half of the day and then we woke up what I believe was underground <laughs> you know it was just three metal chairs of yellow red and blue in the middle of a warehouse and it's just it's just a big sign on the wall that says choose wisely and we're like yes. what do we do <laughs> Um, there were three people originally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we've been very fortunate that we've been able to, you know, just going back to that story, how we were saying that we got, you know, Ben uh, Swank had uh, contacted us. So that was the summer of 2016, June, end of June, 2016. Yep. And then we kind of came back from Nam, hit the ground running and had a prototype because we were going to be going to Nam again. And uh, I think at this point it was July, because it was Jack's birthday that we were meeting him around. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, that's not a creepy comment. <laughs> if you're not, it would be. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's now J- <laughs> July 2017. Mm-hmm. So we had our first prototype. We got to go. To- Jordan, unfortunately, did not get to go because of unfortunate circumstances. Yes. So he was calling me every 13 minutes. What's going on? What's going on? What about now? What happened? I'm on the next plane. I'm going. Because <laughs> at that point, we had got to Nam, had to still do the regular booth, the day-to-day thing, rented an Airbnb. And it, so it was summer 2017. We had the first prototype available that we were making for Jack, and we were going to have a meeting. I was just waiting for an email from Ben Swank. Waiting for an email. I'm like, ah, is it going to be today or is it going to be tomorrow? Today or tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't want to badger him. So I sent him a picture of the corner of the pedal as a teaser. 
and send them to him as an email, like, excited for tomorrow. So he, they don't know what it looks like at this point. It's yeah. literally, they have no idea what it's going to look like except a somewhat mock-up <laughs> of what they gave us out of a Photoshop thing. So we have the meeting with them. It's myself and two others in the company. And Jack is there. Swank is there. Blackwell is there. I remember looking through the records out in the storefront. I'm just browsing through the records. I think I'm looking up some Brendan Benson stuff. And over my shoulder is Ben Swank. He's got a hot coffee, and he casually strolls up to my side, knowing I could hear him. He goes, all right, where are these pedal nerds? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And then uh, he takes us back through um, the thing where you need a uh, push-button code to get in, which I'm assuming is 333. Um, (laughs) You know, and you get to go to the back and everything. And um, so we're, we're having a meeting with them and Jack and... It's kind of nerve-wracking, too, because, like, we've got a list of, like, oh, crap, we have to tell Jack name ideas we came up with in this Google Doc, see if he <laughs> likes any of them. He likes Triple Graph, like Jordan mentioned, which was really, that's that's a win in Jordan's column. A little W right there, because it's like, yeah. oh, crap, how do we tell this guy what to name something? <laughs> you know? And I'll uh, say one of the great things about Jack in general with collaboration is that he's so open to your ideas. It's not just, hey, come in, sit down, I'm going to tell you what I think it should be. Yeah. He's very. He gives you a lot of free reign, and um, it's a collaboration. Ab- yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, that's, that's one of the great things. We had somebody taking notes as a stenographer, which was great because we could come back with all. Because in a ninety-minute meeting, Jack will get three or four hours worth of stuff done. Like, <laughs> like it's hit the ground and go. Like yeah. ideas. What if we do this? What if we do that? At one point, I'm setting up. Here's a fun thing. So we're talking about. You know, this is still early. This is 2017. We're talking about branding and packaging and stuff. And he had on the table, like, this limited box set that he had done for, I believe, Dodge and Burn. And he's like, hey, so just trying to think of, like, some fun things, interactive for the people. So here's some packaging. Um, I play in this band called The Dead Weather. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you don't have to tell me you're The Dead Weather. <laughs> like, very, like, humble, like, not assuming anything. Well, you don't have to tell me you're in The Dead Weather. Yeah, 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 that's awesome, though. <laughs> it's, that's like, it's like Ringo going, you know, I was in this band called yeah. The Beatles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, we're really t- talking about ideas. Jack's, like, literally down, like, on one knee, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you could plug this into that or connect, like, this old-time operators? And then he grabs, I think he had his Gretsch with him, and he had his uh, Fender Twin, and he's just playing through it, and he's stepping on them. And we're like, it's kind of a surreal moment. He's just sitting there playing through your thing. And then he comes back with the critiques he had of like, hey, let's, I like this about it. I like that, but I don't like this. Let's work on that. And that kind of snowballed into the next three years of our lives. Yeah. So, you know, after that, we had most of our engagements with Jack himself have been talking through his colleagues. We've had a Skype call with him. Like Jordan mentioned, we had that meeting January 2020. Mm -hmm. Like Jordan mentioned, he's very good about open about ideas. You mention things to him. Like it's cool when you bring something to the table. Like Jordan and I had this idea for the box, the actual like product box that it would go in, that on the very bottom of the box would have the third man Nashville storefront. So it would have like their glass door, the red, the yellow, and the blue bays. It would have the three lines that go across. We designed that up, and you know, one of the girls was kind of skeptical, and it was like, that makes sense because they have two storefronts. That was a good point. And we bring it down there, and we present the box to Jack, like, hey, here's some ideas we have for the box. We brought like three or four iterations. Like, what do you think about this with this, or A and B, or B with D, or 
F with J and that type of stuff. We could essentially make a box idea. And he opens it up. He looks on the bottom. He's like, yeah, look how cool that is. And he like shows the girls. It's like, that's cool. Jack liked an idea we had, which is technically <laughs> just us making his thing. Right. <laughs> we took his it's idea. It's a digital version of his storefront. Yeah. He thinks it's cool. That's, we'll put that in the wind column. Uh, that's great. Yeah, that's it definitely awesome. it definitely felt like a win. And the whole time Jack is on what looks like a bench if you were going to be like curling kind of like yeah. some type of workout bench like he's got a chair and couches and like corner booths but he's on this like bench mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's kind of we're we're on the i guess the thing is he was being a good host we had all the comfy chairs yeah we had very yeah. comfy chairs and that's yeah, you know, very sweet yeah. wow you want to you want to tell him what blackwell said when he came in oh man this is great <laughs> blackwell's so we're, we're, fun you guys know that yeah, we're yeah. we're talking about the pedal you know trying to just iron out ideas because there's so much to go over from packaging and release and demo videos to actual functionality and you know when we can get another prototype down all of that tour yeah like everything yeah and out of nowhere ben blackwell comes in opens the door doesn't say hi doesn't do anything he just opens the door and says whatever it is it needs more knobs (laughs) 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 then 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 proceeds to sit down and kind of is like looking at the whole packaging and overseeing what's going on he's not really the ladies i mentioned before katie jordan and christina they're kind of the ones that are at the helm of this with jack ben's ben's doing his his thing as well He's there for the meeting, just kind of filtering in and out. And they're kind of joking around and mm-hmm. everything. It's a very lax meeting, but very, like, efficient at the same time. Absolutely. Like, we came there with a list of notes, you know, kind of our metrics, our figures, where we're at, ideas we had. And, like, we busted through all of them in, like, 90 minutes because Jack was actually going to take the two revisions that we had. And he's like, I got to go see a friend. I'm going to go record some stuff because that's Jack. I'm just going to go leave. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to go be recording some stuff yeah. because that's what he does. He doesn't sleep. He waits till dawn. Yeah, it's as and if he's constantly and forever sitting next to a giant mountain of invisible cocaine. All the time. <laughs> just, he, he is he's ready. He's always doing something. So it was yeah. that day he was he left. He ended up coming back at some point, too. Yeah. Well, speaking of recording, can you guys tease anything about the demo we talked about a bunch of demos for some of these other pedals is there anything you can tease in the way of pair demos on the triple graph anything <laughs> anything um we ourselves were kind of like waiting like you are with kind of bated breath of like well we know jack does demos <laughs> like demonstrations of the thing and he'll usually do it in the blue room as we talked about the one we did with uh Daru, like the the trio that never happened that he always demos all the stuff on. Yeah. And it's like they did it with all the three pedals that they currently had in the lineup. And we're like, okay, well, we're definitely on deck number four. We're like, oh, there's going to be like a video or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we're like, oh, is, are we going to get a video? What's going to go mm. on? Is it going to be Jack? Is it going to be one of his his um, constituents? His co-workers uh, playing? Like, like, you know, we weren't sure. And then yeah. um, one day I opened my email up and um, – I have a video link for something. I don't really know what it was, but it was it was from the, the nice ladies at Third Man. And I open it. I type in the password, and we have a demo video of the pedal. And, like, like, uh, a, yes. like a music video, pretty much. Like, this, huge. So the production that you've seen on all of the other Third Man hardware videos is impeccable. Yeah. This is about 
20 times stepped up. It is, <laughs> I've never in my wildest dreams thought like this would be the video that ends up coming out for this pedal. Wow. Completely blown away. I think Jack, Carla, and Dominic did a an incredible job. And Brad at Third Man, the videographer and editor, just blew our socks off completely. Wow. Um, with this video, it goes through a lot. So there's a lot of functionality on this pedal. It's a very simple user interface, but there are a lot of things to go over as far as like what each key can do and what it does with different switches and yeah. combinations like that. Yeah, a lot of combinations. But this video really illustrated all of that, and they did it in about two and a half minutes, which is crazy because I'm just trying to think of like when we do our video for it just to inform you know our fans and stuff like that. It's gonna be it's gonna be really tough to beat this one, but they did such a great job with it. Wow! Um, so I've really, I, I'm really looking forward to this they, coming out. They did. Anybody that wants to um, look online at this point, it'll be. Um, they did do a picture. It's on. I think it's on Jack White official yep. on Instagram. The Instagram. They had a picture where it was Carla, Dominic, yeah. and Jack. They took a picture where they were wearing face masks out front of the Nashville storefront. And then if you click over to the next picture, you can see a picture of the three of them in the blue room. But you're not sure what it's for, right? Mm. And you can actually see this product at uh, Dominic's feet, mm-hmm. ah, the bottom, right, the bottom right corner. You can see the it. very bottom right corner. I think the caption yep. read something like, "Up to something." It's not a new album, or is it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. That's exactly. But yeah, that's <sighs> talk about exciting. That must have been not only a thrill for everybody here because it, we, you know, we love watching these demo videos, but that must have been a special thrill for you guys. Um, Absolutely, we're so happy for Copper Sound and, and getting the opportunity to do this. And we also, you know, we wanted to we want to thank you guys for joining us today to give us to not only the uh, the download on the Triple Graph, but you know, walking through the Third Man Hardware stuff. Because as I mentioned at the top of this, uh, James and I, when it comes to gear, are largely ignoramuses, and so this has mm-hmm. been very eye opening for us. And uh, and we want to thank you guys a, a great deal for that. So. Before we leave, though, what, what can you tell us about where can people go to purchase the Triple Graph? And, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the limited edition, the the, um, the box that was limited to 100, right? The limited edition yes. was limited to 100. So where can people go to pick these up? So this is going to be exclusively sold through Third Man Records at thirdmanstore.com. Um, I know they have, if you go to thirdmanrecords.com, they have a, a gear section. So it's all going to be through there. And I think there's going to be plenty of units for people to shop when it comes out eventually. There are only 100 units, like I said, like we were talking about. So 100 units with the limited edition uh, certificate of authenticity signed by Jack. Limited edition is going to have that custom serial badge plate. Um, every box is going to have the book as well. Wow. So That's I, awesome. I believe. And a limited book. The book, the, the box for the product itself is limited as well. Yes. Like that one's got a, a little bit different artwork uh, rendering that Jordan did, whereas the standard box that's going to be going on forever, that's um, more basic. The limited one will say limited. It'll have a little bit more Morse code artwork and more yellow incorporated just like the limited does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you both for coming on the show and talking about it and for making such a cool product. This It seriously is like the coolest looking pedal I've, I've ever seen. <laughs> I might be an ignoramus in terms of gear normally, but uh, aesthetics, it is beautiful. And from what I've seen from the 
press release that you shared with us and from what uh, you guys have described this pedal seems amazing and uh, I think it's going to up a lot of people's game and uh, if I dare say we might see it on another Jack White album soon and uh, yeah it's really cool so thank you guys thank you very much I appreciate you guys having us on yeah this was fun anything else coming down the line anything else you want to tease before we split so yeah this like Jordan mentioned this kind of became the last four years of our life and while doing this <laughs> we had to simultaneously be you know updating websites bringing out our since we got this we ourselves also came out with four or five pedals under our own brand not with uh, third man as well so after this we'll be building these up for uh third man while um getting back to kind of what we do with our uh, our guitar pedals in our lineup back to the day-to-day while building these it's going to be kind of parallel lives you know it's going to be uh <laughs> it's going to be these days this week it's going to be all triple graph stuff for third man these days will be all regular copper sound stuff and just mm-hmm. kind of yeah they're going to marry together if you will and uh just kind of keep both outfits going and uh keep plugging along mm-hmm. with some new products of our own awesome you should uh, always make a yellow version of whatever you create and drop it off at Third Man. And, uh, <laughs> never know. I never know. That's that, that's the takeaway. Um, yeah. We actually, as maybe a last note, we believe we know what song Jack used it on "Help a Stranger." And um, if uh, anybody wants to listen, at least the one that's most prominent is "Only Child." Oh, okay. On the, on the new record. We were fortunate enough that we got to see them two nights in a row in Boston when they came in. Fantastic. Um, I I, I specifically remember Jordan and I talking about to Ben Blackwell about how we think it's on Only Child, and he said something along the lines of, yeah, now if you guys leave after the meeting, you can perpetuate that lie in your head about it's on Only Child. (laughs) (laughs) Keep living in that dream. (laughs) Very, very Ben. (laughs) He's great. I don't think I've ever gotten him to admit anything <laughs> um, so uh, alex jordan thank you so much all the best uh from us and our listeners to copper sound and uh, yeah everybody go check out copper sound pedals and check out the triple graph and uh thanks so much for coming on the show when you have another big uh jack white related project launch come back on or even not let's just talk <laughs> yeah, about if you just want to talk about stuff Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We'd, be, we'd be happy to be your uh, third person someday down the line. That'd be wonderful. List your 333 favorite <laughs> albums in reverse uh, chronological order. I yeah. want to do them in Fibonacci sequence. Okay. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. <laughs> as long as you can also work in the mating habits of Bowser and his race. Are there more of him? Is he like a Godzilla type of thing? <laughs> Or is he a a part of a race of other kinds of Bowsers? Is there a lady anything from the movie? uh, It's that that he's basically just um, a human with spiky hair, (laughs) and there is also some strange, small-headed creatures that follow him around. So, Paul, thank you. There's your answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna search for this more on Pornhub later. I think I'll find something. Uh, thanks guys this has been a weird way to end this but that's what we do around here (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having us on appreciate it okay bye Bowser how we do it okay Um, (laughs) 
right, James. That was great talking to Alex and Jordan. Thank you to the fine folks at Copper Sound Pedals. And we are so excited for the release of the Triple Graph. And, you know, assuming this comes out when I think it will, we talked a lot in the interview about the promo video that was shot for the Triple Graph. And at that time, obviously we hadn't seen it. And so it it theoretically is available to us now. And I am going to go ahead and insert that right here so we can listen to it. Insert away, Paul. That was a fine insertion that I did. Are we finished? Are we finished? Well, James, we're not finished yet because we still have some people to thank. We've got many Patreon patrons to uh, thank on the program. And I'm just going to go ahead and walk through those because they're very nice people. We have Yvette Wilkins Wilkins on Sunshine. We have Brett Garski, the Brett Three Killed Night Garski. We have Elizabeth Myers rolling in on a burning Myers it's which is coincidence because it's actually it's burning outside uh, all of outside my apartment is burning uh we have Melinda Endress you look pretty in your fancy Endress we have Shane Ben Jamson or the Shane boy you've always known we have Derek Ferguson Derek Forever Ferguson we have Michael Brookfield the Bone Brookfield we have Tam Davis our third person in spirit every week Luke Sinclair Look me over closely. Josh Aiken or Joe Shaken all over. Melinda Taylor. Melinda Taylor. Lord, send me an angel down. Julia Hickling, the $3 hat mig, which, by the way, we want to thank Julia. She is uh, helping us right now with one of those interviews we talked about earlier. 
Yes. And it's going to be really cool. So thank you, Julia. We also have Stu Cat or Stu Driver, Kate McCoy, the Bones of the Operation, and Brenda Englehart. We want to be the boys to warm your ankle heart. Yes. And uh, if you would like to become a patron and be listed off there, we'll have a bumper at the end of the show where you can uh, follow those directions and help out uh, keeping the lights on. Because, you know, we do this for uh, the fun of it. And uh, it, it is a, a costly endeavor. So having some folks help out is, and chip in is incredibly helpful. So thank you guys. Paul just listed. And thank you, all you listeners. Because listening is honestly half the battle. Yeah, Classic slogan: yeah. Listening is half the battle. Yeah, listening is half <laughs> is half the battle. If you'd like to interact with us, you could do so in a number of ways. You can find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com/thirdmen. You can tweet at us at thirdmencast on Twitter. You can tumble on down with us on Tumblr, which we'll update one of these days. That's thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com. You can find us on our website, our fancy schmancy website. Thanks to Josh Aiken. That's thirdmenpodcast.com. You could email us and send us a listener correction or a listener question or a listener hello. You could just a say listener hel- hello. Yeah, just just say hello, and you could do you that. Could say hello by emailing us at uh, thirdmenpodcast at gmail You can find us on Instagram where we post show pictures and things relating to the show and also assorted goings ons that we do. Is that a sentence? Is that a real thing that I just said? Probably not, yeah. but that's okay. You can find that on Instagram at thirdman underscore podcast. <laughs> if you don't want to become a, a monthly patron, you can uh, also help out the show by buying some of our merch. That helps us out a little bit too, so you can do so by visiting us on our merch website. That's bit.ly slash thirdmenmerch. You can find us on Acast. They host our show. We love Acast. I love them uh, in a you know a sensual way. We've got uh, some animations and assorted... <laughs> visualizers man dogs barking now <sighs> my dogs are barking <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on youtube uh that's youtube.com slash c slash the third men podcast that's again youtube youtube.com slash c slash the third men podcast and you can rate us that would be super helpful if you can give us a five-star rating that's rate us dot third men podcast.com and uh, plug in a, a five-star rating with a review. Uh, we love the reviews. We read every one. And uh, we're just, you know, we'd be thrilled to pieces if you could just break us off a piece of that review bar. Yeah, that one. And I think we had talked about a contest where if you write a review of Doughboys and just give us five <laughs> stars, like do it on ours, and you like write, write about how cool and sweet Doughboys is, and then... Give us five stars. Uh, and then you screenshot that and, and email it to us. Yeah, we'll we'll come up with something fun to send you. Yeah, um, and also if you write a review that is just, if you're here, your family. Yeah. Uh, we will, five <laughs> stars, of course. I will do a design for the Olive Garden parody, Olivia Garden, for you. That's, that's amazing. I will say this. The first person to leave us a review that is five stars that says when you're here your family i'm gonna find something to send you i will do it like Paul's do, not you saying to, it's gonna be an unlimited pasta pass but i think it's gonna be an unlimited pasta pass you have to send me you, you just have to send it over email if you send us I, look <laughs> stop what you're doing go on itunes or what i don't what are you whatever you're using Write us a five-star review that says, when you're here, you are family. I'll find something cool and mail it to you. It'll, it'll, 
I promise it won't just be like a regular tchotchke either. I'm going to like find something really nice and send it to you. And it won't be like, like a finger or something. Like It'll be like nice. <laughs> it's just a, the, it's a pinky toe. Paul doesn't have a, enough respect to send you one of the better toes, but he's got, yeah. he's got a pinky toe. He'll mail you. I've got 10 toes here. So one per contest. <laughs> um, yeah. So do that. The ratings really do help all kidding aside. And we're trying to get this show out to as many different people as possible and the way we spread the word about that is through ratings and, and reviews and stuff and so many of you have been so wonderful about it we are really happy with everybody thank you everybody who rated and reviewed the show but yes. if you haven't yet again when you're here your family if you're the first person to do it i'm gonna send you something i and i love how this contest here has like no connection to anything i don't even think paul is going to include most of our Olive Garden talk at the beginning, because I don't think we were recording most of that. Uh, so it really just makes makes it all the more better. Um, but hey, yeah. look, me and Paul are, are family. When we're it, here, we're literally family. That is true. Well, when we're anywhere, we're family. And so you can make something out of this. You'll keep like 30 of the words of this two hour segment we just did. I'll keep some stuff. And speaking of sending us something over email, you can send us listener questions if you'd like. We will do a listener question show at some point. Last season, we just plum ran out of space, but I don't know. We'll probably be scraping toward the second half of this one, so maybe we'll do one there. We'd also like to thank Sam Kubert, Tom Valenti for the help in the recording of our theme song with the Third Men, as well as Susanna Rautry for the lovely intros and outros of our program. And James, until next episode... I will be looking for a home with Bowser who do sex. <laughs> and I all I'm saying is he's a huge lizard guy. And just logistically speaking, like just anatomically speaking, I don't think he's going to find a place to put it. It's I, just, there's a size differential. That's just, there's just, it's just physics. Um, well, and that's Bowser from Shauna, not Paul's referring to. So, <laughs> uh, and I will be looking for a home in uh, in an Easter egg hidden in the Triple Graph book. All right, thanks everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We'll see you next time. For more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. If they work Bowser into that book, I'm going to be very excited. Uh, we don't we don't think it's Dominic, uh, possibly Dean Fertitta. There's a wedding ring on the hand. Who who knows? Who Somebody knows? write they, us in and tell us. Particularly Dean, Dean Fertitta. If you can write <laughs> us in and tell us, that would be great. I've got a uh, like a really cool TV show to pitch you about Dean Fertitta. You'll yeah. love it. It's not great. Lose your love and lose your mind. <laughs> um, yeah. I, at Still this podcast, we call it Blind <laughs> Willie McDrunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new segment. <laughs>
<laughs> Blind Willy McDrunk. I like that. I got a brand new lover. Lover, yes, I do. <laughs> yep. What? The burp, it just wants to be there. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Eugene Chekhov. Eugene Levy. They make a, in Star Trek Insurrection, they make a chrysanthemums joke, and that's at the heart what is why people hate that film. It's because that film was made for people who would get a chrysanthemums joke. Wait, what is a chrysanthemum? It's just a ty- it's like a kind of flower. Oh, chrysanthemum. That- See? I don't even know I don't even know how to say it. It's a mum. Yeah, it's They're a- making that movie for me and I don't even know how to say it. We're building together. What is their slogan? We were born here. We were, we're born, born here. We were born in the pain and the shadows or the darkness. Which one is the Bane one? <laughs> they were born there. I was born in it. Home Depot. They have. Oh <laughs> I can't not hear the Home Depot commercial with when you're when you hear your family now. What is their What is their slogan? <laughs> Home Depot slogan. What? I gotta find it. Hold on, hold on. Depots. I did. We did it all for the Nookie. Home Depot. <laughs> How doers get more done? That seems wrong. Looks like I'm going to Lowe's. <laughs> gotta go to Lowe's. Gotta go to Lowe's. That's their famous slogan. <laughs> When you're here at Lowe's, your family is the is the slogan. Let's go back to our song. Hey everybody, Paul here with a quick message for you. As James and I mentioned many times on the show, this podcast is 100% not-for-profit and a labor of our love for music. We pride ourselves in bringing you interesting, timely content as we have these past 100-plus episodes. Podcasting is, however, a weirdly expensive process, and we actually lose money on hosting, time, equipment, advertising, and all the other little things that we need to do to make these shows for you. So, to help break even on some expenses like those, James and I have set up a Patreon account where you can, if you like, chip in a few bucks to help keep the lights on. It can be as much or as little as you can swing, and all donations are greatly appreciated. The last thing we want to do is hound anybody for cash, so just know that listening to our show is always payment enough. But if you would like to help us out, that would be amazing. All right. It's all from me. Remember, you can head to patreon.com slash thirdmenpodcast and a huge thank you to everyone who's donated already. All right, everybody. I'll see you on the show. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. You are all invited to join us on a magical mystery trip through the lives of the Beatles every week on the Yesterday and Today podcast. This show details the chronological journey of the world's most famous band using music, interviews, and rarities collected since the debut of John, Paul, George, and Ringo onto the world stage. 
We're a fan-made production, and we're available now on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. I'm going to just slide that to the corner uh, <laughs> or I'll forget about it. Uh, Olive Garden, forget about it. <laughs> Classic slogan. Um, 